Greetings and welcome to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael. Father Isaiah and I on today's podcast dive deeply into chapters 16 through 19 of C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. This is part four. And we've titled this Sex in the City of God. Because in this section of letters, C.S. Lewis reveals how the devil uses pleasures of food and sexuality to tempt us in ways that are far subtler than we may imagine. Now, certainly eating too much or being sexually active outside of marriage, these are ways the devil reliably can tempt us and for which I think most human beings have struggled with temptation now and again from some time in their life. But they're not the most powerful or insidious ways the devil can tempt us using these appetible desires. In a very brilliant uh, passage, Lewis connects the fall, the fall of the devil with how we fail in love and how how that's connected uh, to these desires. I'd say chances are you've never thought about the origins of evil in this particular way before. And so I hope you listen and learn how to best overcome any temptations we would have around gluttony and lust and how we reliably fail in love is connected to these. So whether you're on the go or just taking it slow, many, many blessings as you enjoy today's show. Greetings and welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly, the quarantine editions. Screw tape letters additions to that. Father Isaiah here. Father Michael over there. I'm calling this at this point a limited series. You ever notice that when they put out like different, sometimes it's kind of like. Do podcasts it, come in mint? Yeah, exactly. No. You, you know, sometimes you see like a television show or a movie and sometimes it's just like, it's like, oh, here's a show. But other times, oh, this is prestige. This is a limited series. I'm calling I'm calling Quarantine Chronicles Screw Tape Letters a limited series. A limited you like series. That? <laughs> Just so which it. means we won't re- release them again for another twenty years. That's right, exactly. Okay. It's All a right. limited series. There's a there'll be a DVD gold box collection. <laughs> gold box collection. <laughs> That'd be a good fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Criter- the Criterion Collection. <laughs> so here we are again to, to delve in and, and I think we had said we wanted to do uh, several parts. As we're going through this, I'm not sure how many, but we're just going to go through until we, we get to the end. So we, we might be talking limited series. This might be less limited than we thought. We, we At first we thought we we're going to have a couple seasons of this. <laughs> no, no, it <laughs> won't be one of two seasons. <laughs> will be no longer than two seasons. <laughs> no, no, usually they have to can- cancel seasons early. No, but the... Uh, <laughs> The idea is is to remember way back when when we wanted to do a podcast on just screw tape letters, just yeah. one podcast, and then, and then we got a couple of cha- letters in, and I thought, wow, there's too much. There's here. too much here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now I'm thinking. I'm thinking as I've, I I actually broke down the different chapters. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking seven parts, limited series, seven. Seven, seven snapshots, and seven's it's, a great number. It's a holy number. number, you know. It is. So, yeah. so, so right now, this is we're on. So, if if, if day one is Sunday, mm-hmm. and the second part was Monday, and two, so now this is this where this is I guess Tuesday. Okay, so that's <laughs> what's created that day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The fourth day. Actually, the fourth day is is where you get because the, the the way easy way to remember the order of creation is. That he takes on, basically Saturday's off to watch college football, so he mm-hmm. rests on yeah. that day. <laughs> but otherwise, he's doing stuff. And the <laughs> otherwise. First, <laughs> the first three days are all uh, about organization. Mm-hmm. So it's, Separating. It's, it's separating out, yeah. right? So the separation. Light from darkness and waters from the land and all that. Yeah, That's right. So he creates the kind of the, so I think of it, if you think of the, um, 
like uh, it's like creating space in your home. It's just mm-hmm. like he's he's building it out. He's building the foundation. The structure's going up, mm-hmm. and then he decorates. He fills the room. So he creates the rooms, and then he fills them. So first three days are separation. So day four is going to be the uh, the actual appointment or decoration of light and darkness. And so this is where you get separation and you get decoration. sun and moon. Yeah, separation and decoration. <laughs> exactly. So you get the moon and the stars, and this is day four. So we're gonna do some moons and stars today. All right, <laughs> relatively. And just to give a little. Review. We have been finding that a phrase or a word that is kind of almost almost like chapter titles have yeah. been helpful to kind of organize ourselves, even though the originals don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so, to just uh, perhaps give a little bit of review, we're going to we're going to jump into chapters uh, letters uh, sixteen through nineteen for uh, today. But to just review the first fifteen, so why don't you take us through e- each one of those, uh, and we can kind of note where we, which which uh, <laughs> which day of the week has we're doing, which part was it in which, uh, and just give those one more. So day one on Sunday we did we did the first six, and, yeah. and what were the, what were our words for each one of those chapters? Well, the first uh, the first letter of the first day, yep. we were talking about. Um, Distraction. Yep. So there's distraction, and then second chapter was disappointment. And then disappointment. Yep. And then we were talking about weaponizing family. So that was the one about him and his mother. Mm-hmm. The, and then emotionalizing prayer. That's right, where you pray and you just get caught up in the emotion of mm-hmm. it and don't distinguish it from the actual either action that we're called to or the or the, the quiet that's there. Yeah, and then the two-edged sort of suffering. Yeah, this is where screw tape says, don't think that suffering or the world war is necessarily a good thing for our side because the enemy, God, can use a suffering to bring about actually redemption. So don't, don't it, it cuts both ways, so to speak. Yeah. So there's a caution there. And then we finished off Sunday with fear. That's right. So the first, the first, uh, the first day or the first chapter, first day, fear and how that can paralyze. And then jumped into the, the sec- that second uh, day or the second uh, um, part Chapter seven, extremisms, especially mm-hmm. political or a factionalism. Uh, we'll get into how that works even in the church in this way. And then eight and nine were kind of a, a yeah. pair, weren't they? Yeah. Eight was emotional ups and downs, and nine was about your own selfish pleasures. Yeah, how the, how the devil uses our low moments or those troughs in, in, mm-hmm. our, in our life, the dry spell, to try to fill them with pleasure and, and stimuli and just to kind of be kind of almost like a form of distraction on the yeah. sensate level, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah. And then two, two weaponizing. I, 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 yeah. I've noticed this as we go through. I like the word weaponize for some reason, <laughs> but because <laughs> it gives that sense of how we can use something that's a gift or a talent or, or some aspect of of what God has given us and we can kind of turn it into a kind of a weapon or a tool to mm-hmm. be used against someone and that's what that's what screw tape is often doing to use uh, these things that even the patient has as natural gifts from God to try to turn them against yeah. <laughs> the, their purpose and oh, so and, yeah. yeah indeed I mean for us these are tools for our own edification mm-hmm. but they could be used as weapons by the other side right? that's right and so, so. those the, the, the two that uh, chapters or letters 10 and 11 were Number 10 was weaponizing friendship. Yep, so using friendship. Yeah, and number 11 was weaponizing humor, which is interesting. Yeah, Yeah, and we're talking about uh, being glib or Mm -hmm. or, uh, not being being insincere. Yeah, or uh, being flippant. Or flippant, that was the word I was looking for. Yeah, flippant in that way, he says. And then 12, uh, then the next section, 12 Mm -hmm. through 15, uh, the the different chapters. The, the, this chapter twelve, in some ways, is might be the summary mm-hmm. of the whole, in the sense of the strategy of Satan. If you want to know what straight Satan's strategy is, long term, 
It is the gentle slope to perdition. The gentle slope, right? Yeah. All, the, all the way that hell is, is a road which is paved with just little ways in which yeah. we say yes to ourselves and no to others or indifferent to others. Yeah. Just as St. Therese has her little way, so does Satan. Right? Yeah, exactly. So. That's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is the, the little way, the little way now, the little moments of selfishness. Um, there's a warning, uh, which should be uh, encouraging to us, that mm-hmm. of the power of simple pleasures, which is the next chapter, where kind of the plot pivots where the patient mm-hmm. begins to just be rooted, rooted and grounded in the reality of simple pleasures that the devil wants us to avoid. And, and then he, there's two more weaponizations yeah. <laughs> in terms of, of good things we're given, but yeah. God, uh, or the enemy, God in, in this case, <laughs> yeah. it, it ex- exactly gives to us, but that the devil, or in this case, our father below, as Screw mm-hmm. Tape calls him, tries to weaponize, and those are. And 14 is weaponizing humility, and 15 is weaponizing time. That's right. Those were two powerful and very subtle, powerful in that they were subtle ways in which you think if someone has a humble disposition or mm-hmm. is naturally going to be a listening, empathetic, has a sense of their own place and, and not seeing how the world revolves around them by any means, you think, wow, how can that be a bad thing? And that's where the devil says, "Oh yeah, get them to think how great they are at humility." Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even in the even in the moment of being humble, to right. tempt them to pride, tempt us to pride in that way. Yeah. Ooh, that's 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 <laughs> that is diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> or or again, time. How how often we either live in the past or just are fretting about the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very contemporary in his analysis of how the devil can get our present circumstances and the, you know, basically use pandemic panic Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be able to take us out of the moment because once again, heaven is the eternal now. Right. And therefore it is best represented and experienced in the present. Right. So the devil is going to try to get us distracted from or somehow. To either live in the past or worry about the future. Disconnected from that. Yeah, from ourselves. So, so, so far for that summary, a little uh, five minute summary of where we've been. And for today, then, we're going to do chapters 16 uh, through 19. So, take us through. Why don't you start out with uh, chapter 16? What's our word or phrase for 16? For 16, it's to weaponize the church. Weaponizing church. Okay, yeah. what, what, what does this uh, boil down to? I, it, was, it was interesting, I thought, that you think, oh, gosh, the, the person's going to church. The devil must be really upset. But screw tape is actually like, oh, Wormwood, you mentioned he's going to church. Yeah, we can use that. Yeah. <laughs> we can, you, we can use going surprising. to church. We can, there's lots of temptations possible when you go to church. And what's interesting is that, Worm, is that screw tape is always disappointed about Wormwood's Something. There's always something he's doing wrong. Yeah, exactly. And what Wormwood is doing wrong this time is making sure that the patient actually stays in the same church. Yeah. No, that's right. It's it's interesting that, as you put that just as a general strategy, if you did a little meta-analysis of the relationship between Screwtape and his quote-unquote uh, nephew, mm-hmm. uh, Wormwood, it... It's the even the advice is given is selfish advice mm-hmm. because he's always trying to make himself look better. Right. And in he's uh, in different letters as as we'll go on, he gets very paranoid. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about are you talking to anyone else about what we're talking yeah, about? Exactly. Because very paranoid and mm-hmm. and kind of and he's and he tries to make himself look better. And so even in the very advice that he's giving, you see the way in which evil <laughs> yeah. turns in and on itself and all, all of the effects Self-serving. of it. Self-serving. Yeah. yeah. And it erodes any sense of, so screw tape and wormwood 
can't really have a healthy mentor relationship mm -hmm. because there, there's a, an amount of selfishness that's always going to be there. And so rather than, you know, you, you imagine just uh, supposed imaginings and hypothetical yeah. imaginings. Right. If, it, you know, a guardian angel were getting advice from like St. Michael or something, you'd expect that advice to of be... Of course it's St. Michael. Hey, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you'd expect the exact to be encouraging and uplifting and supporting. And here, in some ways, if... Screwtape is wanting Wormwood to be successful and tempting. Mm -hmm. He should be more like encouraging. And, and instead, he's always like making him feel less than and kind yeah. of, you know, eroding his confidence. In other words, if Screwtape's goal is to have the most effective tempter, <laughs> mm -hmm. he's not doing a good job because right. his own selfishness is getting in the way mm -hmm. of training him to be that. Right. In other words, evil always falls in on itself. Mm -hmm. Not even evil. Yeah. Evil could be worse if it were if it were better. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that made sense, but yeah. but the point is, he's not a good mentor. He's right. he doesn't encourage. He would be he would actually probably be if he incentivize. He doesn't know how to incentivize rightly because he's right. too selfish to see beyond his own building himself up. Anyway, I say that all because as you mentioned, he always starts his letters by saying, "You mentioned this. Oh, you're doing it. You know, basically, this is what you're doing wrong. He's, he's, he's overly critic. He criticizes yeah. and nitpicks." his own mm -hmm. mentee or his own nephew in a way that probably isn't uh, helpful. But he says, if your patient is not going to be dissuaded from going to church, you know what the best thing you can do? He says, the next best thing is to send him over the all over the neighborhood looking for a church that quote unquote suits him mm -hmm. until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. It's absolutely amazing. It is so, because because we uh, see yeah. this in our own lives too. Yeah, what's the term oh. that's used for that? Church hopping. Yeah, church hopping, or right. I, I've heard of you heard of cafeteria Catholic. Ah, right? sure, sure. So this yeah. is where it, it's interesting that you think, oh, that's kind of a modern or at least a contemporary kind of phrase. Well, it comes right from Lewis. We talk a connoisseur, yeah, <laughs> of churches where you just come and you just uh, you kind of take a little bit from here and a little bit from that. I like the preaching at that church. Mm -hmm. I like the music at that church. I like the uh, kind of different groups at that church. Right. And you mm -hmm. just kind of like church hop and just find, yeah. and, and ultimately what you're doing is just finding a place where you, you how to put it, where your own thoughts and beliefs are just reflected right back at you. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you never grow. There's yeah, never you any, never grow. No you never for growth. allow yourself to be part of a virtuous community. Of, That's right. Um, you just allow yourself to be superficially members of all these communities. So therefore you belong substantially to none. Yeah, and then this is where Lewis likens, and I think here that analogy of what we talk about uh, St. Dominic's being a spiritual home or family. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You, you, uh, certainly within family members, there's choices made, but you don't get to choose your family in some no. ways, yeah. right? And I do know that, I mean, a, maybe in a, a um, past era, it was kind of like your church was what we, you were geographically yeah. kind of like there. That's your, you're in the boundary lines. That's where you are. That's where you are. Yeah. Let's face it. St. Dominic's is a destination church. People come from mm -hmm. all over. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so there's a fair amount of church shopping that goes in daily liturgy. But there really is, as Lewis is pointing out there, a goodness and a way in which we need to really be connected with a parish, with mm -hmm. a family. And now in modern times, that might mean that, that you know, it, it means you, you're closer to a daily mass here or there. So there's practicalities involved, but really we shouldn't just be going to whatever church we find 
kind of suits our needs mm-hmm. or really is kind of like we like. Um, and it's interesting. C.S. Lewis, this goes beyond even his letter. I was, I was uh, looking at his own experience because I thought, I wonder what church C.S. Lewis went to. It turns out <laughs> that the church he went to was not his, uh, he, if, he went, if he had a preferred church, it wasn't his local Ah, church. okay. He, he didn't like, and this is what I found out, he, he didn't care for the organ. The organ. He didn't like the organ. He didn't like. He didn't like big music like that. He just liked simple music, I, which wow. I thought was interesting. That I was is like, interesting. It's like oh, he wanted no organ. a simpler <laughs> yeah. liturgy. Okay, exactly. Exa- in terms of, I mean, simpler liturgy. He didn't want the, all the kind of the yeah. big organ swell and all the rest. I, interesting. And then, and then the other thing that he discovered is right. Is he wasn't particularly fond of the of the of the preacher that was oh, in the local okay. parish where okay. he was at, at, at the time. So, okay. but he went to he, but he, but he saw his responsibility and that's sense of of being connected to uh you know the the, the church of england at the time um being as being committed not just to a particular preacher Mm -hmm. or a particular musician or organ or a particular style of liturgy um and here it might be a little different let's be clear so this is not catholic so perhaps it doesn't have the fullness of what we would appreciate in terms of the sacramental life of Mm -hmm. the church but his point is still well taken that we can um, we can be too particular about what church we go right. to and therefore stunt the growth that God wants to get. God always teaches us through family and even our spiritual yes. families mm-hmm. uh, can grow. So it's, it's interesting that he gives the two examples he, he gives, which he says in the preface, he's not thinking of any particular uh, clergyman. But he ends up naming people. <laughs> yeah. Well, he gives, he gives uh, Father Spike. He says, yes, Father Spike. I would love to know who Father Spike is. <laughs> exactly. But he gives the, the one example of the, uh, the clergyman, the vicar, who has uh, basically um, lost his faith. And so his preaching is very routine and mundane and who scandalizes his parishioners because it ends up, even though he starts out, you know, kind of like with, with powerful kind of sermons that, that engender faith, he himself loses faith right. yeah. in the routine of it all. He conducts his services uh, just... Um, in a way that just he says is that an endless round of little treadmills of right. his own personal kind of favorite psalms and favorite lessons, and basically he's kind of lost his faith, um, shocks them with his unbelief. So that's the one side, and then on the other side, the other extreme. We talked about extremism before. Mm-hmm. Father Spike, yeah. who it sounds like he's he's always into the newest fad. Right. What's the newest movement? And so yes. he goes from, he goes from, he says, one day he's almost a communist. The next he's not far from some kind of theocratic fascism. One day a scholastic. The next going to deny human reason altogether. One day it's all about politics. And the next day all of the worlds are under judgment. So he's mm-hmm. kind of, it's back and forth, whatever the newest fad is, right? So yeah. we, we can, you can, this is true in our own time. Well, mm-hmm. You get some kind of movement that comes up and you're all about, and then, the, then it's this. It's just this, this kind of endless churn of whatever's politically correct or spiritually quote unquote correct yeah. at the time. But he says, on the other hand, Father Spike is, is believes, right? And he's engaged and yeah. he does what he loves his parishioners. And then, so it's kind of like he, he points out these extremes in no way to point out particular individuals, but as types of what can rub people the wrong way. Either the person right. kind of going through the motions, the person who's always like, you know, at the at the whim of whatever culture right. seems to deem to be important at the time, um, and so he says it's not. It doesn't really matter who the who the clergyman is. There's a, a way in which the devil is always going to look to divide the community mm-hmm. by personal preference. Right. Right. And so we say, oh, I'm with this church. I'm with that church. And he he points out um, <laughs> he points out that from the days of uh, Paul and Apollos. 
right? So this is where, you know, St. Paul says in, the, in, in his letters, you know, one person says, oh, I'm from, I'm for Apollos, the great preacher, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm for Paul. And they basically distinguish themselves out by mm-hmm. who they like to preach. So I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm, I'm for Father Isaiah. I love yeah. his preacher. I'm for Father Christopher. I'm for yeah. Father, like, like, as if we were different churches. And that's why I love the fact that here at St. Dominic's, it's, I mean, I'm the pastor, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really the Dominican community. Right. That's that very ministers. true. And so yeah. I really think we, we have a, there's a real uh, spiritual good that mm-hmm. comes where it's not just the particular vision of it, hopefully of any one person, but uh, communal spirituality that comes from our shared life together. Exactly, and that yeah. We all have our responsibilities in that, but right. it, it hopefully leads to a less of a factionalization mm-hmm. within the community that we see ourselves. We might not all agree about certain things. We might have not have the same uh, tastes liturgically or musically, same style of preaching, but we're all one family in Christ and here yeah. in St. Dominic's hopefully one community connected in that way. Yeah. And honestly, I think one of the strange blessings of this time of pandemic was the fact that, you know, we have only have one conventual mass. Yeah. So, so it's offered to the entire community every yeah. day. Another, another member of the community offering their um, preaching, their liturgical style, their preferences so that all of us as a community can uh, build up the body of Christ. It's been amazing to hear from folks that saying that we they say how we we love how we see everyone as you say celebrating, or even when um, in a particular moment when liturgically there's the moment at the very end of the Eucharistic prayer when we mm-hmm. do the peripsum in Latin, so yeah. the through Him, with Him, and in Him, and, and kind of um, elevate the uh, patent mm-hmm. and the chalice. And as priests, if there are concelebrating priests, you'd all you yeah. know, do that in unison. Mm-hmm. And so to have everyone doing that in unison, all yeah. surrounding the altar. Singing it all and all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. just kind of like, it's it's really kind of a really, I, for me, it's, you know, if I'm if I'm just celebrating Mass with myself, it's obviously a moment when you're dr- mm-hmm. kind of drawn up into the, the life of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Yeah. But when you're in union with, you know, five or six other guys and yeah. we're all doing it, it's powerful. It's powerful. It yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> There's, some, There's a real um, virtue to that. And so the point here in this chapter, though, is the devil can use even the church experience <laughs> right. mm-hmm. and or lack of <laughs> lack or of lack experience. experience. Yeah. And it's, this goes back to those themes of it's a particular, I think example of the kind of the disappointment of, yeah. uh, of, of, of the, he, he hints at this human that, limitations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's face it. Clergy people, <laughs> priests, we're <laughs> human, not. right? We're, yeah. human. we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna rub people the wrong way. We're gonna think of people who naturally have preferences. And so the devil says, okay, take those preferences and make even your relationship with God about those preferences mm-hmm. rather than the relationship right? Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with a family for better or for worse, mm-hmm. you know, the, you're with that parish. And so I, I really do like there's, I think, and this might go to a different era of Catholic that just, you know, you support your local parish in every way. There's the, the kind of the five precepts of the church. And one mm-hmm. of them is to basically tie, to give, yeah. you know, that, that 10% or that, that what God is calling you to give to the church is just very much ingrained in, in a certain uh, mentality of, of, of Catholic practice that perhaps is not quite there. It's, it's perhaps a little bit lost or eroded, mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh, no, I go to church wherever, wherever kind of wherever yeah, where it's, it's e- available, where it's yeah. available or easier suits me and the, things like that. But there's no, there's a real value to that because there's a danger yeah. in being separated. There's just kind of like kind of a doing church by choice. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Church by choice. Um, that leads to, so, so that's that, uh, chapter 16. Then uh, chapter 17 on, we begin to get into the seven deadly sins mm-hmm. a little bit. He begins yeah. to kind of take a look at 
the uh, especially gluttony and, and sexuality, so the, mm-hmm. the sins of the flesh, if you will. Yeah. Um, so chapter 17 in that particular way is is basically gluttony. Yeah, and a very interesting take of gluttony, especially in the first half of the of the letter, where talking about even being picky is a form of gluttony. Yeah, what did you think about that? I, I, I thought that was... V- the point is that that every vice can mm-hmm. be there's 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 one way to go right that is the mean <laughs> so mm-hmm. says, if you want the virtue you know so that would be in this case um your relationship with food being healthy right, right. and the healthy right. way to food is to see it as both it gives our body energy and then there's there's foods that both kind of like nourish and there's foods which kind of delight right. and having a good balance of between the two mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> is is and that's going to be different for everyone but just the seeking the meat seeking the balance but when it comes to, to any kind of vice being e- extreme on either side is that, yeah. and he says, normally when we think of gluttony, we think of excess, mm-hmm. right? And I think for most people, just that's that you think gluttony is too much food. And, yeah. you know, you get the, uh, you know, Thanksgiving day, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. where it's just like, oh, copious amounts or Super Bowl, you know, parties right. or, you yeah. know, this, that, and the other thing where you- Quite a special event, like a wedding or something. Oh, four, Fourth of July. Fourth recently. of July. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Hot yeah. dog and hamburger. Why choose? It's the 4th of July. <laughs> exactly. The only choice is mustard or ketchup. No, Here we go again. Say, exactly. I love it. <laughs> drawing him back. Just when he thought I was on, drawing him back into that discussion. Anyway, no. The perfect condiment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but as Lewis takes it, as you say, a different route, he says, oh, yeah, gluttony to, uh, through screw tape. Screw tape says, you know, gluttony by excess is, yeah, dime a dozen. Uh, it's certainly easily tempted but he says the 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 returns on that are diminishing, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in a sense, because at some point, person's health is going to fail them if right. they're always excessive in gluttony and it'll cause their early demise kind of thing. It gives them a chance to kind of right their ways. But there's an actually a more subtle form of gluttony on the other extreme yeah. that the person will be gluttonous and not even be aware of it. Yeah. And yeah. that's, he, he, he says, this is the way to go. And, and you, you described it as, as what? As being. Yeah. He described it as the all I want. Yes. Mentality. <laughs> yeah. So like all I want yeah. is um, that particular tea dipped so many times, so many moments in the water. Yeah. All I want is this uh, kind of bread. All I want is this kind of toast and all that, which is, well, stingy. <laughs> yeah. So I like how you put it. It's basically being picky. Picky, yeah. Yeah, just like, just kind of like, so so being preferential to the point where you're, the whole point of the food is has to be a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the toast has to be just so crisp. I, I just want a half a piece of toast. Yeah. But it's got to be the perfect Christmas. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or just the, I just, I, I, I want, I, I'd like a little butter on my toast, just a very little, but it's, yeah. it has to be. Real, organic, 100%, you know. Salted or unsalted. <laughs> here's so, another, here's yeah. another, here's another, here's another, <laughs> here's another potential <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Is it from Ireland or the United States? Exactly. Wisconsin or California? Exactly. Yeah, it's so. got to be just, it's got to be just the right perfect temperature of coffee. Or coffee. How many, how many uh, crafts of coffee do we have to brew at the, at the prior because everyone's got their particular. I lost count of five. <laughs> <laughs> there's the. 
There's a German way to make coffee. There's the American way to make coffee. There's the Irish way to make coffee. Yeah. Um, I can tease because that's not big on my list. He who doesn't drink any coffee. Barely drinks any coffee. I can. I'm not in that. So I can can poke fun of that. But but no, there's a way in which once you, once C.S. Lewis brings it up, at first Mm -hmm. you're like, what's he talking about? Like, Like being picky doesn't seem to be gluttonous. But once he puts it, yeah, it's that sense in which... Oh, all I want is just a little taste, a little yeah. morsel, but it has to be just the right. And I don't, you know, I don't do leftovers, right? Yeah. It's got to be just perfectly yeah. prepared how I want it on the all I want mentality. And he says the great thing about this from the Our Father Below's perspective is that the person can go through all of life mm-hmm. thinking how abstemious they are. And they can, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they can even, they can even fast, he says, and, and go yeah. without food. But it's got to be according to the way, you know, because they're you know, preserving this or that kind mm-hmm. of diet or this or this kind of kind of fat. And it's, but it's, in essence, it's all about me still. Yeah. It's the, the, yeah. the, the focus is on I. Right. And anytime the devil, the devil doesn't care about food. <laughs> right? no, no. In fact, he says it's kind of disgusting that these humans have to eat. But if we can make it about the I, mm-hmm. the either all I want is more or all I want is just so, just yeah. this way. Yeah. Equally, e- equally pernicious in, yeah. and in some ways there. So I thought that was really kind of an interesting, it kind of turned it on its head. And in both ends, um, instances uh, about the communal aspect as well. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, like uh, people like that, um, Screwtape would say that these people are the terror of uh, matrides and, and waitresses and things like that, um, of that, of how this particular attitude affects other people. Yes. Yeah. So involved. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's kind of like, how do you treat wait staff or people? Well, at a time when yeah. we could go to restaurants, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> Those who are yeah. in food service, right? If it's all, it's, it's, it just, it's just uh, these little, uh, little, little insights that he have, I, I think are just really, really good. He, and he says when he comes to the patient, cause he, he uses this sense of kind of pickiness and he uses the example, uh, the patient's mother. Mm-hmm. Right, so he says. He says he gives him. He says that his tempter Globus or Globus. Yeah, Globus has done a great job yeah. making mom, you know, right. so picky that she's really gluttonous, even though you wouldn't know to look at her. Yeah, he says when you going to your patient, he's not that fussy. He's not going to overeat. But what you need to to make him is to make him uh, in that same kind of style, just always about getting exactly kind of like that that which is the, kind of the the most in fashion. Right. Right. Yeah. So he goes, the he goes, best steaks. Exactly. The best seafood, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So he says, he goes, he goes, you need to, to introduce him to those friends, those secular friends mm-hmm. we talked about last time. Yeah. And get him to go, we, you can only go to the one restaurant in town where steaks are properly cooked. Right. 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 And get him kind of, kind of connected and nothing else will quite do. Right. Or, or the particular kind of champagne or when you're, when you're uh, feasting, this is the one restaurant that has mm-hmm. the best kind of feast that yeah. could be laid out and get him focused on being so particular that in a sense he's lost his way in terms of, yeah. in terms of how to healthily relate to food. So it's this very, very interesting kind of um, insight. I think yeah. there. he then transitions uh, to sexuality and he does it by making a connection to gluttony. And this is something mm-hmm. that Thomas Aquinas himself yeah. will say. And uh, he, so he goes back and says, he goes, after this kind of like the, the uh, pr- ultimate pickiness, the uh, kind of like gluttony by defect, if mm-hmm. you will. <laughs> so it's not you're eating too much. It's the, you're, you're very picky in how you eat. He says, well, there is always the uh, gluttony of excess, just eating too much food or in, not in the right way or in ways that, we, that are not uh, you know, healthy for us. And he says the the greatest longevity this has, though, 
is not in just eating more and more and more because there's a natural limit to how much yeah. you can eat. You, um, but he says it's because it's the doorway to a tax on chastity. Hmm. Yeah, which is very insightful. And Thomas Aquinas says the same thing. If you want to grow in chastity, yeah. do a little fasting. You know, baby, basically the, the strategy is say no to your body <laughs> yeah. in easier ways so that more difficult ways are more powerfully essentially uh, kind of captivating or engaging sensuality can be. You got to start with the small stuff so that you have a, so you can build up that, that kind okay. of like that, that, that spiritual muscle of being right. able to being able to overcome that. And so from the, temp- the tempter's perspective, he says, okay, if, it, if it's not working, if the, if the gluttony to excess isn't, isn't, isn't working, try to uh, kind of push him towards uh, thoughts of sexuality and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then he has this little aside <laughs> that he ends on that I thought was interesting that I actually hadn't thought about, but uh, maybe you've heard this. I, I know in terms of formation, if you want to, if you want to kind of grow in chassis or at least have a, a practicality, it's like do exercise and that, and that kind of takes you out of lustful thoughts or lustful mm-hmm. habits and kind of thing. And, you know, so it's just basically get your body kind of distract, distract your body in a positive way to kind yeah. of build it up. Distract your body, exhaust your body. Exa- exhaust it. And he, he has a little bit of a, of a, a contrary opinion to that. He says, he says, I uh, think I missed this. Yeah. So at the very end, he says, he goes, he goes, just to let you know. So he's talking to, to, he says, um, if he must think of the medical side of chastity. And so he's talking to Norman, he says, feed him the grand lie. So this is what, what does screw tape think the grand lie when it comes to chastity is that we have made English humans believe and indeed all humans that physical exercise in excess and constant fatigue of the body are especially favorable to this virtue. In other words, you grow in chastity by lots of exercise. And he says, how can they believe this in the face of the notorious lustfulness of sailors and soldiers might well be asked. (laughs) Talk about a a pretty good counterexample. It's like an argument in one line by example. But we've used the schoolmasters to put this story about men who are really interested in chastity as an excuse for games and therefore recommending games as an aid to chastity. So basically he says that the whole notion of exercising to which I basically is motivated by sportsmen who just want, who wanted youth to try out for sports. <laughs> I don't know what the backstory is on that. If there's there some, must be an inside joke. Yeah, there, there 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 must be some kind of historical kind of thing that that going missing. But but then he just says, "Oh, this is too large to, of a of a chapter." To, this, I, I'll go on. So let me do a new chapter. So then yeah. he transitions and is like, "But I, I just thought that was interesting." I I don't know. Had you, had you heard that exercise overcomes lust as a general exercise sexual? overcomes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's pretty much it's it's in a the, kind of a standard play yeah. exactly it's, it's kind of like standard advice yeah but to ha- literally just as a little as- parenthetical aside almost at the end of this chapter of him basically saying ah nonsense <laughs> i mean it's yeah. basically it's just basically just saying if you if you want to avoid if you want to grow in chastity basically uh, fast like yeah. you temper your body that yeah. way so it has nothing to do with extra it doesn't have a doing an excess of exercise it's being able to exercise the the saying no is more important than yeah. And kind of distracting that yeah. way. I thought that was interesting. I mean, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But but yeah. it's it's definitely his. It's something that I I had never heard a contrary opinion no. put so pithily. Yeah, <laughs> and and in a place I didn't necessarily. I was not expect. expecting to hear about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so that takes us to uh, so then these these uh, the, the next the next actually the next following chapters mm-hmm. are all about sexuality and how in a way the devil can use sex as a distraction. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's interesting. It's not in the way you might, at least 
the, the first the Wormwood's first instruction from screw tape is not exactly what you might think where he just talks about you know like pornography or no. basically adultery or something like that he doesn't he doesn't necessarily say exercise the physical side of it he comes at it a very spiritual kind of way and philosophical way as is mm-hmm. this one um and in chapter 18 really focuses on examining what sex is in context of, of real love mm-hmm. yeah. right and it just and in a sense um gives us a almost a kind of a primer that i could use in um Marriage preparation, really, yeah. honestly, a kind of a, a, a philosophical view of uh, how human beings relate to one another and what love has to, what what does love have to do with it yeah. when it comes to sex. So, so maybe what were your what were your thoughts on chapter eighteen? Was there anything that jumped out at you in this in this chapter? Well, I mean, it's talking. He there's that section where he's basically hinting at what we would call disinterested love and yes. what uh, and um whether or not it even exists, right? Yeah. Um, or that accusation that screw tape would have about what does what does the enemy really want out of humanity in the first place? And um and related to that is just that um that he must that that kind of mystery to the demonic of he must really like these love these uh little creatures yeah. fly and and they love each other and so he goes on this kind of strange philosophic about that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting that that here he begins by saying, okay, how can we exploit uh, sex? Well, he says the enemy, that is God, gives humans a form of dilemma in that when it comes to sexuality in terms of its activity, it's either complete abstinence, which mm-hmm. he says is basically very very difficult and we don't have to worry about that. So, so yeah. it's once again not necessarily connected to religious life or in that way or, or a, a celibate clergy. But he says the other way is unmitigated monogamy. Mm-hmm. And he says, if we can get him to think that these things are kind of old fashioned or, you know, not really in step, then we've, we, we've got him right there. So he right. kind of takes a very pragmatic approach to how to, how to basically just say, isn't there more to love than just either not having sex or just being faithful to one person? Mm-hmm. Right. And so he kind of, kind of like, and there, there's, there's the, there's the little crack that he tries to like throw out the tempting crack. Yeah. Like, isn't, 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 isn't it more than just that? Um, and then he philosophically steps back and says that the the whole philosophy he gives the whole philosophy to hell right here. Yeah. The whole philosophy of hell is competition. Right. That what I have, you can't have, and what you have, I must get from you, or mm-hmm. I won't be happy. So happiness is a zero sum game, as they say, or right. or is a is not a common good. You talk about common goods right. versus particular goods. That happiness is a particular good. If I have it, you don't, and if you have it, I can't. Right. Right. And so yeah. he says, so he says in hell to be means to be in competition. Right. Yeah. Which is the, which is obviously then the opposite of, of love. He says the mm-hmm. enemy's philosophy, God's philosophy is nothing more or less a continued attempt to evade the, the this sense of competition that the good of oneself is and can be the good of another. So if I have a good <laughs> love says that I can share that good without lo- losing it. Right. So you think yeah. of the, 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 the very common uh, symbol for this is fire, right? So, right. so, so it's just like, if I have a candle here, I, it can communicate that flame without losing any. Right. My, my, the luminosity of my flame is not dimmed by me sharing it with you. Right? If anything, it's doubled. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And so uh, th- there's a there's a way in which, when it comes to to sex, he says, 
well, in a sense, you want to basically have sex disassociated from that sense of self-gift, but mm-hmm. put it in the kind of competition area or in that, yeah. in that sense in which it really is a, a sense of, 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 of power. Um, Domination, yeah. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. or, of pl- or of my pleasure. It's all right. about uh, sexuality which seeks what's in it for me, <laughs> yeah. right? See sex as, as naturally competitive, like competitive, like my, my pleasure is my pleasure, and in, you see, even in couples, it's like you know, sexually active. They will say, you know, that the 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 moment of sexual experience isn't always fulfilling for for other side. Sometimes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and, and so there's a a way in which, if that's what the goal of sex is, is kind of the fulfillment of my desire. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> right. It's it's yeah. that's not love. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's not that's not loving in any kind of way, and so. The devil says, uh, or the screw tape says that the the goal is try to disassociate or or, or kind of um, see sex as apart from love, uh, because if you think about it, he says the great truth that we have to obscure is that whenever it says a man lies with a woman, there is whether they like it or not, whether they choose it or not, right. a transcendental relationship that is set up which must be eternally enjoyed. Or <laughs> eternally endured, yeah, <laughs> right. And in other words, that the way God made sex to be is when you when you're sexually active with someone, there's a bond there, yeah. And it's a bond which is meant to communicate true love, and that if it's not communicating true love, then it's going to be eternally endured. That is, it's going to be a pain. There's going to be a loss there mm-hmm. that wounds, right? Right. And I thought, wow, that is. That's <laughs> the devil knows what he's doing here. Yeah, that's incisive. That's, <laughs> right, because yeah. because once again, the sexual act is not good or bad in itself. In fact, it was it, it's holy in itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's not if the context for that holiness and gift of self is not created in the context of, mm-hmm. of marriage and of monogamy and that sense of vowed life, it will harm yeah. the relationship ultimately because that's how God made it. And so He says, you got to somehow. Um, disassociate love and sex. And he says, you can go, it doesn't matter what's again, either way you go. Cause he says on, on the one hand, he says you can, in the patient, you can get him to think that, Oh, okay. On the one hand, I, I can either romanticize sex and therefore it's kind of falling in love. And he, he deals with that in the next chapter, mm-hmm. or you can get him to think that it's kind of beneath me. And I, you know, I, being sexually active is uh, kind of, I'm not the kind of person that needs that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so kind of looking down on that or, yeah. At most, I don't need that relationship of marriage for my own happiness. So he says mm-hmm. he has a kind of a low, cynical kind of thing. And in fact, he says, he goes, um, this is this is so, uh, he, he says at the time, he says, you don't think this is true, but it is. And it really is true these days. He says, he goes, thanks to us, we can basically um, promote the idea that the idea of marrying with any other motive than kind of being emotionally in love seems either low or cynical. He goes, yes, they really think that. In other words, the regard for intention of loyalty and a partnership for mutual health, for the preservation of chastity, for the transmission of life is something lower than a storm of emotion. And he says, don't neglect to make your man think that marriage of service is very offensive. In other words, (laughs) he says, if this person isn't feeling it or like it doesn't falling in love, the kind of thing, make him think that, that, that that's all marriage is. Yeah. Right, to, to kind of lowered in that way. Uh, and it's interesting to, to think in these days that marriage is like dropped off a cliff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because, well, we can live like we're married without having that commitment. And that idea then that that uh, commitment 
the text, the text doesn't have any strings. There's no commitment that's right. intrinsically involved. He says if we can just disassociate that and then think either on the one hand that's old-fashioned or on the other hand that it's not real, right. kind of gets you in trouble either way. Kind of prophetic. Yeah, it really yeah. prophetic. <laughs> yeah. Really prophetic. Um, which leads right into the kind of the falling in love, which once again is, is this chapter, the next chapter. And if you had to summarize, this really is that sense of, of falling in love but he takes it once again from not just here you say, okay, is falling in love good or bad? And you could think, well, maybe you expect, you know, someone who's yeah. coming from a religious point of view to say, oh, falling in love is just all emotions and is no good. But he doesn't say that. No. He says it works both ways. And his analysis begins not with falling in love, but with the fall. Yeah. Sin, the origins of sin. So he takes, how to put it, the idea of the the inextricable nature between love and sexuality all the way back up to that first choice of Lucifer who ultimately falls from grace. That's a, that's, that's a chapter 18. Did that stand out to you at all? The very fact that it went that high. Or oh, sorry, chapter 19. Yeah. yeah. Chapter 19. Chapter 19. Yeah. yeah uh, or the very fact that it went that high or fer- that ancient, depending on how you look at it, yeah. was just surprising. Yeah. Yeah, that he went that that direction. Yeah, it's kind of like he said. It's like it's like someone said, "Oh, what's the time?" And he said, "In the beginning." Yeah. <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. Like I'm just asking for the time. I don't want you to build me a yeah. watch. But but he goes he goes back to the beginning. It's like, what's sex all about? What's falling in love? Is it is it you know is falling in love good or bad? He's like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, God loved the world into existence, and the reason why hell exists or the devil exists Mm -hmm. is because of the mystery of love itself. Mm -hmm. I thought that to be like, wow, I'm like, I'm on, I'm all in. I'm I'm, uh, loving the philosophy. (laughs) And so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, So yeah. Well, what did you take away from chapter 19? Well, again, that it is a continuation of 18, Mm -hmm. but, um, but the very fact that as a, emotional phenomenon falling in love isn't good or bad but it's a matter of who the partner of the love is yeah. and where you can emotionally and philosophically take said relationship yeah um and you know in, in marriage in marriage prep yeah you would actually kind of do a kind of quick analysis of that as well of yeah. like just so what is this relationship you are having and yeah. how how can you well, at least in marriage prep, how can you challenge each other to greater virtue? But in this way, yeah, of how to, of how can you tempt this relationship to engage in that slippery slope or that gentle slope towards our father below? Yeah, and the kind of selfishness involved, mm-hmm. and and kind yeah. of the, this is the chapter I was thinking of when he begins by with a with a with a paranoia of all selfishness. When we're selfish, we're paranoid because we think right. it's all about us. And then when we begin to think, oh, what do other things about us or what is it get out? So he, he basically, uh, he retracts statements he's made about other demons yeah, and, and says, right. oh, that thing I said about slug, uh, slub gob was just jocular. I didn't really mean that. And I hope this isn't getting out to anyone. And yeah. uh, I hope this is just staying in between us. And I did say that God loves humans. That's not really true. That's not what I meant. I just think, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that, that would, that would cost him his, his job 
job in the in the bureaucracy of <laughs> yeah. kind of things. So so anyway, he he uh, he does a lot of backtracking and paranoia, and it was just it's it's it was, I love this is uh, I enjoy Lewis when he's doing this yeah. uh, kind of meta <laughs> teasing, if you will. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like analysis where it's kind of like the person themselves is is kind of like exhibiting the very behavior they're talking about. So he's right. talking about love. <laughs> he's talking about give and that sense of trust and bonding and relational. He's talking about relationality. Mm-hmm. And then he shows the paranoia of evil that is incapable of entering into a healthy relationship. So you yeah. see the total dysfunctionality yeah. of this mental relationship. Yeah. It starts out. So he starts by saying, by, by do this dysfunction, writ large, this kind of dysfunctional relationship that Wormwood and Screwtape got going on. <laughs> yeah. And then uses it as a transition to talk about the fall of the angels. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to say that basically the idea is it's impossibility for the devil to understand love. He yeah. just doesn't get it. Yeah. He doesn't get it. And if he would get it, he would, he would, he, the Lord would welcome him home. Yeah, the war, the war would be over. Yeah, exactly. The war would be over, but he just can't, doesn't get it. Um, and so he says, because uh, this line kind of stood out to me where he says, um, what does God, so the enemy, stand to make out of human beings, right? The impo- uh, he, you know, the, re- the reason one can come to talk is if he really had this impossible love as a failure to find out the real motive. So yeah. in other words, he's saying, the whole objective of hell is to try to find out what's a God up to? What is this? It can't mm-hmm. be this love thing just doesn't make any sense, right? It's, it's the insoluble question. And so he says, um, I do not see that it can do any harm to tell you that the very problem, that is the, the problem of understanding what love is all about, is the chief cause of our father's quarrel, the devil's quarrel with God, with the enemy. When the creation of man was first muted, when it, even at that stage, the enemy, God, freely confessed that he foresaw a certain episode about a cross. And our father below, the devil, was very naturally sought an interview and asked for an explanation. The enemy, that is God, gave no reply except to produce a cock and bull story about disinterested love, which he has now been circulating ever since. Yeah. And this, our father, the devil, could not naturally accept. He implored God to lay his cards on the table, gave him every opportunity. He admitted he felt a real anxiety. He had to know the secret of this love. And the enemy replied, said, I wish with all my heart that you did understand. understand. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's like, wow, it's almost like the fall of the angels isn't this like battle, but this kind of the devil being frustrated by not getting it and God pleading with the devil, just saying, this is, this is who I am, this disinterested, yeah. actual, unconditional love. And the devil's not buying it because the devil's about self and so can't understand yeah. anything beyond what would be because the devil can't understand anything more than a motive what's in it for me he can't see that god doesn't have that same motivation of what's in it for him and he can't understand i don't see what god's getting out of this and god's saying exactly i'm not getting anything out of this yeah <laughs> i'm still yeah. god whether you exist and that was like i don't get it yeah and what's kind of funny is that he actually takes it a step further lewis does yeah. saying that there's an entire department yeah. The bureaucracy that's yeah. trying to get into this mystery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they've got they've got they got minions of demons working on the the insoluble question. And we have all these theories. What is love? Exactly. <laughs> he goes. Uh, uh, and so um, so yeah. He goes. If we ever come here, he goes. If we ever came to understand what the enemy God means by love, the war would be over, and we should re-enter heaven. And he basically says the the idea that God kicked us out of heaven is is utter nonsense. 
we left because we didn't we didn't get yeah. it. We couldn't we, abide it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't understand the policy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that. we're going to so, go over here. Yeah. <laughs> and so his his final lament is: if we only find out what God's really up to, then then we'd be even if even we disagree with it, we'd at least, at least understand. understand it. Yeah. yeah. So that's almost like the 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 great mystery. There's the mystery of evil because there's nothingness, but the mystery of love because of its fullness. It's really, it's really anyway. So anyway, he uses he uses that to be uh, kind of the the. Uh, jumping off point where he says, okay, if, well, what about this emotional kind of state that human beings find themselves of being in love or yeah. falling in love? Right. So the devil fell <laughs> yeah. because he couldn't find love, didn't mm. understand love. Human beings, when they fall in love, <laughs> yeah. they, it's neither a good or bad thing. It's, they can fall the way the devils fell. Mm-hmm. So they can fall because they don't understand love yeah. and therefore just sexuality and, and pleasure and all about self. Or if they truly fall in love, yeah then they're going to understand that falling in love means they need to give of themselves, yeah. right? So so f- in falling yeah. in love, they find themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So if falling in love is all about your oneself, then you're, you, it's fruitless. It's not going yeah. anywhere. But if you fall in love in order to give of yourself, mm-hmm. that's, that's, where, that, that's where Screwtape is going to be really upset because that is the mystery of love, that love is self-giving yeah. and falling in love. The emotion can either help us to get that. In other words, falling in love with someone I really, you know, just have an emotional connection with. Hopefully the net gods programmed us in our DNA then to therefore give ourselves completely mm. to that. We see a good, we're attracted to that good. And if our response is to give ourselves completely and pour ourselves out for that good and in a couple, they're both mutually doing that. That's where real love is, and that has life and fruit. Yeah. If, on the other hand, he says you can get someone to fall in love, and the falling in love is about what I get out of it, right. then it's going to be what I get from it. Yeah. Right? I get from it. And I, I, for me. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I often will tell this. Uh, I just one time read the uh, newspaper. It was the Dear Abby section. Mm-hmm. You know the section. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the advice column. The advice and. Column. Uh, are you looking for tips? I was. Okay. Uh, I do. I, I know. Admit that. No, I, 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 well, it's interesting to see what people like. Yeah, sometimes you get good advice. Sometimes I think it's kind of like it's questionable, but it's, it's interesting to see the way people approach. I, I enjoy it for almost the methodological approach, even more than the particular advice. But anyway, this young woman one time wrote in and said, you know, I'm with this guy. We've been together for two years. Long story short, he was all chocolates and roses at the beginning. Two years in, he's all about the guys he's taken me for granted. He's not meeting my needs. What should I do? Question mark. And it's interesting because I, I started to read the reply, and the reply I think was something just vaguely remember. It's like, well, you know, a lot of fish in the sea kind of thing. Like maybe it's time to move on. He's not meeting your needs. Blah blah blah. But what struck me just in that moment was the expression: "This person is not meeting my needs." Ah. And I thought to myself, if this young woman got connected to this guy because she found a guy of her dreams or someone who could meet her needs, whether it was today or tomorrow or 30 years from now, she's going to fall into disappointment. It's that, it's that second yeah. letter, the disappointment, right? Yeah. If you romanticize the relationship, that falling in love then becomes all about a romantic kind of like my happiness. Mm-hmm. It's always going to fail because guess what? Yeah. We fail. Yeah, because <laughs> we, we fail. fail. We're limited. Yeah. We're limited, right? And it's all about, yeah, this relationship is suddenly all about me and what I need and what I want. Exactly. Not a, a relationship of gift to the other. Exactly. Yeah. And so if it's, if it, it, the, the better question is, have I found someone who I can give myself to completely? Mm-hmm. And it is certainly 
it doesn't it certainly shouldn't be codependent where one side is giving and the other one is taking for yeah. granted so i in that particular piece of advice you would want to balance it in terms of like okay why what's what what's going on with him but at that same point if you come at it in from why i'm going to get out of it or he's not meeting my needs never going to be long lasting yeah, yeah. <laughs> never going to be long lasting and once again C.S. Lewis through Screw Tape has his finger on the pulse here, right. where he basically just says, if, if you can make falling in love all about that sense of self-fulfillment, mm -hmm. you got him. Yeah. You got him. On the other hand, if the enemy, God, is able to use that falling in love or at least that, that sense of attractiveness or that emotional connection, all that chemistry. of I mean, mm -hmm. the, yeah, the Song of Psalms in the Bible, right. beautiful romantic poetry mm -hmm. in order to open their heart to be able to grow in that love, which is self-gift, yeah. then avoid dating from the enemy's perspective, like, right? <laughs> and we'll see that. That's a little preview of next yeah. mm -hmm. of, 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 of our next week's uh, thing, because ultimately the patient does find love, yeah. and he finds it in a way that is going to bedevil the screw tape in, yeah. every, in every way. <laughs> so. so thank you for the teaser for yeah. next time. <laughs> next time, as, yeah. As you know, we're going to... Uh, do this handful by handful. So, so we look forward to next week as we tackle the next few letters in the Screw Tapes letters. Yeah. So to summarize, we've got weaponizing church and factionalism, the sense of gluttony that goes both in excess and also in defect, being too picky, and then dividing sexual expression from real love and then using that emotional falling in love as, as a kind of a weapon that, that's just all about self-serving. These are those subtle strategies of Satan we hear about this week and it opens us up to really consider how is it that we do love? How is it yeah. that we give to one another? And for all of you this week, how is it that you're going to radiate the joy? Because that's what we're called to do here in the heart of the city. Amen? Amen.